0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious. Woof episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 87th episode recorded on Thursday, November 30th, 2023. I'm your host, Jeff Marl. I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Kathy Amos. Tonight, we will be breaking down, again, as Kathy and I said, <laughs> your number 17, Indiana Hoosiers, 67 to 59 victory over the main black bears in Portland, this brings their record to six and one for the season. And as usual, we'll start this show with our Hoosier proud banner moment. And Kathy, I'm going to go here, and I don't remember the exact basket, so you might be able to come in. But I'm pretty sure that one of the last few baskets Mac had tonight made her the all-time uh, number one field goal make. Person in Indiana women's history, so that's going to be my banner moment. Is as Mackenzie Holmes continues to climb up the, the 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 career stats tonight, she becomes the number one Indiana tied. Hoosier. Uh, tide? Tied, tied tie. So she ties it with being the, you know, the most field goals made in the history of Indiana women's basketball. So that's our banner moment for tonight. And our banner moment is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, who includes the Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You are bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear. Right now, they have some retro-inspired snapback hats and now, along with other things, the bomber jackets are still out there and are really cool. Not only do you get quality apparel, but you are supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. Uh, go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME23. That's HOME, uh, promo code HOME, H-O-M-E-2-3, to get 15% off your entire first order. Again, HOME23 for 15% off. And again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one. For the team. And a couple things in news. First of all, Sarah Scalia was named to the Big Ten honor roll for the second week for this week, uh, which is she had been the player of the week last week. So, second week in a row that she was on the honor roll. Caitlin Clark of Iowa was the player of the week for this past week. And, Kathy, Big news out of uh, Bloomington today. Indiana found their guy on the football side. Very, you know, very uh, quick search, you know, thinking that Tom Allen was released on Sunday morning. And today they announced the hiring of James Madison coach, Kurt Signetti, as the new coach, the 30th head coach in the history of IU football. And I know people are going to say, well, this is a women's basketball podcast. Yes, it is. But we also like to keep up with what's going on. But I also want to bring it into this. And I'm going to get Kathy's opinion on this. We've seen what the right, person, the right coach has meant to this Indiana women's program and Terry Moore. And Again, I think you can get that sense. If you can find the right person, the Bill Mallory type, what can be done with Indiana football? Kathy, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, um, I, I agree. I mean, you know, yes, this, this game tonight was not pretty uh, I, I would say until that seven minute mark left in the game in the fourth quarter, it almost looked like our our team didn't think they could actually lose this game outside of, of McKenzie Holmes And then in the second half, Sydney Parish, it just looked like no one was really playing with that hustle that we've seen, but they, they corrected the shift. And, and that's definitely, I think in a large part to the culture that coach Morin has built to your point, getting the right person at the helm can, can help you, you know, um, go through these stormy waters that we were having for, you know, over three quarters of the game tonight and and still come out on the right side of where we want our ship to land, which is a win, right? Like at this point, I'd rather, you know, win this game ugly than play a really great game and end up losing this game. Right. Or which wouldn't have happened, but you you get my point. Like it's still a win at the end of the day. You know, the wheels aren't falling off of our season or anything that you want to say about, um, um, how coach Morin is doing or anything like that. I think that this show's actually her good leadership. She made some really nice adjustments in that second half. Finally, um, really in the fourth quarter. I thought to the zone, you know, where we're trying to get a little bit more at that free throw line and um, keeping McKenzie down low as well. And they didn't, couldn't just completely collapse on McKenzie. So I thought she just made some nice adjustments again and kept the team with their head, right. Even though this was probably one of the worst games we've played this year um, in a long time. So to your point, yeah, getting the right person at the helm is extremely important for the entire program, but especially I think it showed up tonight.
0: Yeah. And, and I think there's going to be a long, even though they got the win, I got a feeling it's going to be a long plane ride home. I don't think there's going to be a lot of people happy with the way they played. Um, and I think, like you mentioned, for three quarters, the defense was not very good. I think you and I were commenting, we were on the Discord with some of the fans as well, that you know, Coach Morin said she gave him an F after the Stanford game. Well, through the first three quarters of the night, I'm not sure it was any better. Of a grade, but I thought the fourth quarter and, 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 and I'm, but let's go ahead and get it. Let's move into this, Kathy. Let's go ahead and call this a pivotal play. I yeah. thought to me, a pivotal play here. I, and she kind of went in and out in the fourth quarter, but I thought especially in the fourth quarter, Lexi Bargesser's D Bart, let's Bargesser's defense on and Simon really started to show up. I thought that we really struggled. Obviously, with Simon because she scored thirty-two, but yeah. I felt like in the fourth quarter we really did a pretty good job, except for that one layup on the on the pick-six she got. So I really wanted to get your your thoughts about Lexi's play, especially in the fourth quarter because I thought that was huge.
1: Yeah, I do too. You know, so she had twenty-five in the first half, ended up with thirty-four. And to your point, you know, she had that that again, just another one of those steals at the top of the key there against us with you know. Just not real crisp in in our passing again um, around around the um, three point line. But to your point, so showed twenty five. She only scored nine. Take away those two. Lexi really helped hold her to seven points in that second half, which no one seemed to be able to do in the first half. She just seemed to score wherever she wanted to on the the floor and at will. And yeah, I thought Lexi did a great job um, kind of um, locking her down. Um, so. Uh, kind of along that lines though I think a pivotal point to me was in the first half on the other side of it was with Ann Simon and, and two steals right at the top of the key mm-hmm. back to back and um you know to me it was pivotal because not only did we do it once we did it a second time and then that third time I like your your phrase a pick six for um for that um pick two um so um I thought those steals from her were, were quite pivotal because, again, it was highlighting the lack of effort and focus I think our team had for well over three quarters of the game tonight. I, I think the fourth quarter it really started getting better, but especially that last seven minutes. But so the, for the first 30 plus minutes of the game, we just didn't have any focus. And I thought all of those steals from Ann Simon in particular showed we weren't executing on either end of the floor.
0: Well, and especially with those, those I'll kind of comment on that too. I thought that's a great point that there was still a relatively close game. We were behind, but it was like a three, maybe four, you know, two or three point game at that point but she gets those two straight steals and layups and now all of a sudden it's a six-point game they hit a free throw or two and the next thing you know you're down eight and you're heading to, or actually they actually got down 10 and and made a bucket right before the half so they were very easily looking at possibly a double digit deficit heading into halftime and so i also want to kind of go back to that i think as a pivotal play and i think it was mckenzie who got the bucket um, right toward the end of the first half, somewhere there in the last 30 seconds or so. But to me, that was a big bucket because the fact that we were able to, To me, because I always felt like as a coach, there's a psychological barrier with double digits. When you're down double digits at the half, yeah. that seems way worse than nine. And it's not, I understand that nine and 10 is one point, but psychologically, it's a huge thing. So it'll only be down eight. I say only, because again, you were right. We weren't right. playing very well. We've already said, right. they just, they just, you know, it was psychological, but even then it didn't it, again, come out in the third quarter. They really felt like it just, there was no, and I'll come back to you on this. Cause kind of pill play. just, there was it just, again, watch on TV. And by the way, for any of you who didn't you join us in the discord, we all were making comments about the broadcast night and oh. how we're probably never going to complain about big 10 plus Ooh. ever again, the student no, you productions might've been doing better, but <laughs> just there wasn't much energy and 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 that no. seemed to be something you and I were talking about in the text and and in the discord very reminiscent of the Stanford game
1: yeah absolutely they just they looked flat from the very start and it was was almost everyone i mean outside of mckinsey um everyone i mean we had um I didn't write all the scores down, but uh, what I can tell you is of our starters, Yarden, Sarah Scalia, excuse me, Yarden, Chloe Moore McDeal, and Sydney Parrish had collectively three points in the first half, and they were all from the free throw line. Yep. At one, I know for sure Yarden was 0 for 5 at one point in the first half. Um, Sydney got herself in, in foul trouble again. Kudos to her, by the way, for actually she didn't. She only had no. one foul. So I'm not quite sure why she only played. Yeah, she was struggling, and she only played 12 minutes in that first half. Um, So she was kind of non-existent in that first half. And Yarden, I don't know, that might be one of the worst games we've seen from her, I think, this year. Um, Chloe as well. Um, She just didn't look locked in defensively. Um, She didn't look like she was locked in offensively, even though she ended up with, on the books, only two turnovers. I felt like there were a lot of near misses from Chloe as well, kind of running at the top. And they just... Um, Those three in particular didn't look locked in. And while Sarah had hit three three-pointers to have nine points, um, you fast forward to the second half, she ends up with only one free throw in the entire second half. So, you, just, you know, she wasn't fantastic the first half and then completely disappeared on us in the second half. Oh, by the way, um, for those of you keeping track that miss free throw from Sarah was her first one of the year. So, um, definitely not going to uh, complain about her free throw shooting in that one miss that she had, but the rest of her game just, again, didn't seem locked in. So it was almost top to bottom where they just didn't seem like they came and were ready to go. It was almost like a letdown game or like what you were saying a trap game, you know, they go down to Florida, down to Fort Myers. They played two very, um, high caliber teams. And they came out ready to go in both of those games. And they were locked in defensively and offensively. And here was the complete opposite of what we saw over Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, and I would agree with that. And that is a little bit of the concern that when they're having to travel. But, again, this was one of those. And they again, traveled in Fort Myers, too. Right, exactly. And that's the other part about that as well. And, and I know people say that's a neutral game. I always felt as a coach a neutral game was a road game because you're out of your helmet. You're out of your normal routine. Yes, it may not be a home game for the other team. But. I always felt I always wanted to approach those like road games like we were going to we had to be better than the other team just because it was a mentality we wanted to have on the road. You didn't want to let the officials keep it, you know, the other team around, make some calls. And all of a sudden now you're at the end. It's getting decided by free throws or some fluky thing at the end. But I, I, I just I totally agree with you. Uh, on that and then you know and I felt like for the most of the part we'll talk about her probably a little bit later but even McKenzie was kind of struggling but I thought part of that was Maine's defense because outside of Sarah we were struggling so bad shooting the ball in the first half they just collapsed they're really and then when we did get it to McKenzie there wasn't any room to work
1: yeah and and I still go back to what I've been saying the last few few games that we've had I still feel like our guards are not getting the ball into McKenzie at a at a quick enough time where she has good position on them either. And, and, I, and someone asked in our discord, Jeff, and maybe you can help my memory. Was this the first time we played zone this year as well?
0: Uh against some zone uh, more than it. likely. Well, who did it? Uh Princeton did it down at and and wasn't it Princeton or that did it down in Fort Myers where they played that half court, you know, that zone and they kind of dropped back and they really slowed know, that yeah. pressing and dropped back into the zone. But as With far press, as much yeah. as much as we saw it tonight, that that was probably the most we've seen in any yeah. one game. Yeah. But so yeah.
1: um on a on, you know, again, on a positive side though, I, I would say I think Sydney came out in that second half and really played immensely better. She looked like a completely different player from the first half to the second half. And, you know, a pivotal play for me was when um, at 4:36 in that fourth quarter, she drove really aggressive to the basket, made her layup, got fouled and hit her bucket for one. And we finally took the lead at 57 54. And to me that was really huge because while it was only three points, um, it seemed like that gave our team a lot more um, energy, even though they had started picking up, but it started deflating Mm Maine, And then, you know, just a couple, not about a minute and a half later, we had that three pointer from Chloe Moore McNeil to make it 62 to 54. Um, That really seemed to completely deflate the the main um, balloon that we saw with them. And those two plays kind of really close together were to me pretty pivotal to the game.
0: Yeah, I really want to go back to that. I That was one that I was going to cite, too. So I appreciate you getting that in there. was that driving foul by by Sid because she'd hit a couple shots. But I really felt, again, back to the psychological part. For the first time since the first quarter, we had a lead. And not only did it lift us, but we also, it, as you said, deflated them. Because yeah. the big difference, again, only we're down three. is We're still in possession. But there's a huge difference psychologically. When you've been leading pretty much the whole game and now you're behind and it just, you know, it, there was time left there. So um, I don't think anything else I really want to bring up in the pivotal plays. Kathy, unless you got something else, we'll move on to some of the numbers. No, I think that probably covers it for me. I'll let you go first here on the notable numbers.
1: Yeah. I think one that we've been hearing coach more and harp on over and over and over again is rebounding. Um, and you know, at the half we were, we were down 15 to 20 rebounding. Now we, we picked it up in the second half and ended up about even, but we ended up winning that margin by one 36, 35. But I, I just really felt that it, it you know, viscerally felt worse to me than that. We actually out rebounded them by one. And to me, it should have been more than one, I just think Maine was out hustling us to almost every ball. It seemed like any 50-50 ball, but especially on the rebounding. I, I, I was surprised when I looked at that, that we actually ended up out rebounding them, but we really picked it up again that fourth quarter. Had it not been for that fourth quarter, we would have been out rebounded, but I think they still have some significant work to go in the
0: rebounding area and that's been a little bit of an overarching concern for a couple of years and we saw it more obviously when mac was injured and not in the games but we remember a couple of years ago coming on here and doing a post game show where they just absolutely up at michigan got out rebounded something i mean it was like a 20 almost 25 point margin or 25 rebound margin um, so yeah i thought you know at times i agree with you but again to figure to find a way to end up basically getting even on the glass after we were down like you said 5 at the half I thought was you know it it spoke well, but I also thought two things happened there. You know, Maine started hitting more shots in the first half, so there were fewer rebound opportunities for us, and then we started hitting more shots down the stretch, which meant more fewer rebound opportunities for them. So it kind of does go hand in hand. I'm going to go back to the one. I'm going to go back to the one that Coach Moran likes to talk a lot about, and we we kind of uh, picked up on her phrase, sharing the sugar. Uh, Yeah, uh, I had them when I added it up: 21 assists on 25 made field goals tonight. I mean, that's uh, 84 percent of. I'm doing my math right if your baskets are being assisted upon so yeah uh and that was and as and for as poor and, and for as rough an eye as I thought she had because I really didn't think Chloe played all that well she had six assists
1: yeah absolutely that that's the one bright spot I thought we had from Chloe was even with her near misses she did turn a lot of her passes into assists and getting people the ball in the right place but um I, I again just really um feel that in general, our guards need to look a little sooner to McKenzie and get that ball to her when she's, um, established sooner. Um, but yes, overall, our assist numbers are really good. Um, you know, in fact, you know, we had three other people with four in there. The surprising one is McKenzie Holmes, not having one. Um, and I think that was in part, we just weren't quite shooting it as, um, uh, right. crazy as we were down in Fort Myers, but, um, she she definitely i thought overall Mac had a really nice game though but um not i was just surprised to look here at the the assist and not see
0: any yeah and the other thing I'll come back to well actually you could you go first any other numbers you want to point out
1: um yeah i <laughs> surprising to me was actually points in the paint where, um, we were almost even with Maine, um, 30 for us and 28 for them. And it was about the same at halftime too, as actually we were behind 12 to 18 at points in the paint. And again, that was kind of surprising because we've, you know, started seeing, and again, I, I think it comes back to not McKenzie because, you know, I mean, McKenzie put up 22 of those 30 points. Um, I just felt like our guards weren't quite as, um, aggressive is what we have been seeing them especially Sarah um you know we've really seen a lot more of driving of the ball from Sarah not just you know expecting her to be only a three point specialist up until this game I felt that Sarah was had really expanded her game and was doing a lot more than just three point shooting and she was accounting for a lot more points in the paint and so that one was a little surprising I didn't expect to see tonight
0: yeah and and I agree with you about the passing. I think that's at the very minimum, they're a half a beat late that, you know, they get it to her about a half a beat late and that really doesn't get her into a position where she can really do some things with it. I also have noticed, and I wonder about this a little bit and whether it's now just become such habit, but it really seems like, as I'm watching, Mac almost always comes back to the left hand. Now in the post, I very rarely see her going to the right hand to finish. Now she did there on that one bucket tonight where she got the hoop and arm toward the end of the game but a lot of her catches are catch it on catch it in the in, in the lane or catch it on the block but come back to you know make her move and come back to the left hand i'd like to see her change it up just a little more and i think that would help a little bit with the defense because i think sometimes after a while you you start to see that on film you're like hey don't go for the fake she's coming back left hand that's be the kind of thing i would see and would be putting into a scouting report with that um as well so um the other number i'm going to point out here is for as a sloppy as i felt like we played they only yeah. had, we only had 10 official turnovers.
1: I know I was looking at that too, Jeff. I was going to comment on that same thing again. I think it felt worse because I think we had a lot of near misses. Like yeah. there is no category for near misses. The same <laughs> no. thing is, you know, Lexi, as much as you may not look at her stat line with her 14 minutes and think, Oh, well, you know, she didn't really contribute a whole lot. You know, there's just some things that you, have to see in the game. And you can't just only look at a box score. And to me, that's one of them is, yeah, only 10 turnovers. That's great that they ended up with only 10, but boy, it could have been a lot worse, I think.
0: Yeah. And so I am, I the only, there other thing here, I want to get your thoughts and again, kind of second game in a row. And I, they didn't play a ton of minutes, but yep. very little production off the bench. But that being said, we actually outscored them four to zero in bench points.
1: <laughs> yeah well they didn't really need their bench I guess when you have two players put up 34 and 14 points respectively so
0: <laughs> hey, um, real but quick. yeah
1: to your point yes you're 100 correct our because bench again outside of Lexi's defense didn't really show
0: up a whole lot today and 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 I know we don't ever give the game ball out to an opponent but let's real quick let's talk about oh, Ann Simon 34 points uh, yeah nine. 34 points career high uh and she was only three of 13 from beyond the arc this could have been worse um 11 rebounds five steals all right for ann simon so just real quickly kathy i know we don't see them very often but we'd had done a little preview on this she looked like somebody who was who had yeah. been the america america east player of the year a couple years ago
1: yeah and she looked like she's well on pace to do that again tonight you know um kudos to her she she played a hell of a game I was just really impressed by her play um yeah her steals it it was on both sides right again like her her defense at the top of the key there and getting those she had five steals and I feel like at least three of them I know for sure three if not four of them were again passes that we were trying to make around that three-point line um again just kind of lack of focus on our part but great hustle on Ann Simon's part too yeah I was really impressed it was you know if I not an Indiana fan, I take myself out of this. I enjoyed watching her tonight, but I didn't enjoy any of it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but I, I do think we need to, you know, give a little bit of kudos to a to a kid who put who played a yeah. great game against us and uh, on an IU podcast. So, all right, so let's go on to the game ball. And Kathy, I'll yep. let you go first.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me. It has oh, to by be- the way, real
0: quick, before Kathy goes, if oh. you're watching us here on the live YouTube feed for the Game Ball, you will notice that we have the so, the winners so far of the Game Thank Ball you. scrolling across the bottom. Uh, so far, we have Yarden Garzon with two, Yarden Garzon with two, Sarah Scali with two, Cindy Parrish and McKenzie Holmes each with one.
1: Yeah, sorry, I'm no, being derelict on my my uh, producing duties tonight. So game ball for me, um, is going to be McKenzie Holmes. Um, I think she, you know, especially that first half, she really took control of what we could take control of, which was very little, but I thought of anybody, she probably played the most complete game, excuse me, ending up with 22 points. She was nine 11 from the field. As you mentioned, she's now tied for first for made field goals and Indiana career history. Um, she's got four, uh, she made four, four, three, free throws and seven rebounds. I, you know, in 37 minutes, I thought overall, she played the most complete game for, for me, it's going to be McKenzie Holmes.
0: Yeah, I, I'm going to go. I was really kind of torn on this one because I wanted to, my initial reaction was McKenzie, but then Sydney had such a great game down the end. And she, like I said, she really came back from nowhere. Yeah, you because know, she had nothing at the half. She was scoreless at halftime. And, yeah. and so Sydney finished yeah. in the second half. She had 17 points in the second half. So, but I'm going to go with McKenzie here because just because, like you said, kind of the full body of the work that McKenzie was there from kind of beginning to end, fairly consistent, 9 of 11. Uh, she only, had, she had two blocks, as you mentioned, of steel, but she, and she, she did have two turnovers, but again, with as much as she was being surrounded and, 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 and being clashed upon, uh, and again, I thought we didn't do a very good job of getting her the ball in spots. And I also thought we didn't do a very good job of getting open and giving her places to look to as well. But again, she was being collapsed on by two or three. And let's be honest again, they were on the road and I thought, you know, we were talking about this a little bit in the discord. We talked a little bit about it in the group text. There were some fouls we were, you know, we were looking at each other like that's a foul. And when it was on us. And there were other game right. parts of the game, especially on in, in the lane with IU on the offensive end that didn't get called. And I'm not gonna complain about the fishing because it's just life on the road. But yep, for her to only have two turnovers. So I'm gonna go with Mackenzie Holmes. So Mackenzie Holmes will get her second game ball of the year, putting her in a three-way tie now with Yarden Garzone and Sarah Scalia. All right. So let's move on to the Grace Berger hardest worker of the game. And again, if you're watching with us on the live YouTube feed, you'll notice that we have the scroll so far for the season going there. And right now it's Lexi Bargesser and and Mackenzie Holmes with two each, Lene Beaumont and Lily Meister with one apiece. And Kathy, I'll let you go again first on this one.
1: Yeah. Um, So maybe this sounds... Um, strange, but for me, I'm I'm gonna give mine to Sydney Parrish in this this account. I, you know, she did not have a good first half, and you know, I think I saw she only played around 12 minutes in that first half. Um, really was not um, producing, and I don't know what was said to her at halftime, but she came out and she adjusted, and I thought she played the second half probably the best of any of our players. Uh, she came out on fire, and then she ended up with 17 points. So to your to your your point during the game ball. She worked hard to me to get herself back into the game and righted the ship and, you know, ended up with only one foul, which was a concern coming into the game. And it was definitely a concern after Fort Myers. So it's good to see that she was able to play, ended up playing 32 minutes, um, played that entire second half and only got one foul that was in the first half. So she played an entire half, no fouls. Um, She ended up with um, only one turnover on the half and uh, 10 rebounds with a double double. So to me, that second half. To me, epitomizes what we want from a hardest worker person. Um, so for me, that's who I am voting for.
0: Yeah, and I can I'm gonna go with you here. I'm gonna go with Sid. But my first, my again, my first initial gut reaction at the time watching the game in that fourth quarter, my first thought was, Ah, Lexi Bargesser. I she, just she. It, it's not showing up in stats, but she her defensive effort. So I want to make sure we get Lexi mentioned yeah. here in this I segment honorable mention but yeah. it's i'm going to go with you i'm 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 going i'm going to totally go 100% with you I, I thought sydney Parrish in the second half and especially the fourth quarter was the big difference in the game and so we're i'm going we're going to give her the grace burger hardest worker of the game and that's going to give her her first uh hardest worker of the game for the year tonight so congratulations to to mckenzie on the game ball congratulations to sydney on the grace burger hardest worker of the game Yep, absolutely. All right, so we'll go into our next segment, and we get a few days here, but IU will be back in action on Sunday. They will be playing December the 3rd against Stetson. That game is 2 o'clock Eastern, 1 Central. It will be on Big Ten Plus. I don't think any of us are going (laughs) to play about Big Ten Plus. You know, uh, hope, hopefully, you know Dr. Clavio and his students will be putting together a good production. Uh, they are the Hatters; that is their nickname. They are the Stetson Hatters, located in in Deland, Florida. They're one, IU is one and zero. Oh. We've played them once against the Hatters. That game was all the way back in nineteen ninety nine, a ninety one to forty three win at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. So far, Stetson is one and six. Their sole win is against Iona on november the 18th seventy-one sixty-two, excuse me and they were playing weber international tonight and so they were in the process of playing as well so that you know again stetson will come in uh, you know one and six two and six one and seven somewhere in that area with that and kathy why don't you, you could talk to us a little bit about their coach and personnel a little bit
1: yes um so funny joke it's i'm not going to take credit but they call it Deland, florida because it's by the sea
0: So terrible, did but but I, I had, was taking a drink. And you I made, made when
1: I saw they were from Deland, I'm like, I have to. I have to say it. Okay, um, back back to the program. Okay, so they are coached by Lynn Bria. She's the head coach there. She is in their her 15th full season with Stetson. She is their all time winningest coach um, at 232 and 178, which is a 55.66 average. Um, as a team, I mainly concentrated here on the team stats. So they only average around 55 points per game. Interesting, Maine tonight averaged um, score 59. They only averaged 57 two. So luckily our second half kept them from surpassing a whole lot more than that because they were well on pace to outpace that. So hopefully we don't see a repeat of that with Stetson and we completely hold them to well under their 55 points per game on Sunday. Um, In terms of shooting, they shoot around 35% field goal, and they are really not a good three-point threat. only shooting 23% from three-point land. They average 16 turnovers as well, so they're a bit sloppy with it, but they do force 17 turnovers. And an interesting fact I thought when I was looking at their roster is they've had nine different starters so far this year. Um, so I know for sure there's a uh, Kia Turner um, has only played two games previously. She had started almost every game in her previous three years and I couldn't find it, but I'm wondering if she might be hurt. So I'm mm. wondering if they're having, you know, maybe an injury thing, at least with, with Kia Turner, as well as maybe just struggling to kind of find, find their, um, their true starters. So they've had nine different starters this year.
0: Yeah. And the, the right now their best player seems to be, I hope I'm pronouncing her name, right. Jamea Turner. Yeah. Is, you know, so. is, you know, who we're, you know, was we're looking at, but yeah. And, and you look at that, Kathy, you talk about Lynn Bria, you know, she's, she's a 57, 56, 57% career winning percentage. So it makes you wonder a little bit what is going on with their team this year. Is it injuries? Did they graduate several players? Um, you, you know, because you don't win 56, 57% of your games by starting out one and six every year. So it just, it really makes me wonder a little bit of what they've got going on, maybe roster wise or what's happened to maybe the last couple of years. So with that, so, but that game will be on Sunday, two o'clock Eastern, one central. Again, that game will be on Big Ten Plus. All right. So again, we will be up uh, on Sunday after the game. So roughly about, uh, make sure I get the times right here. I have to look back at roughly four (laughs) o'clock Eastern, three o'clock central. We'll have the doing the work post game show here on, on, on live on YouTube or you can get with wherever you get your podcast. Want to remind all of our fans that you can get, uh, or you can ha- tune into Assembly Call tomorrow night. They will be on after the Maryland game with the men. Also, again, a shout out to our other people, in the back, our other groups in the Back Home Network. Uh, Crimson Cast had a really good uh, uh, podcast today about the new football hire. And then, of course, they also do a women's basketball podcast as well as part of the Back Home Network. So I want to shout out to them um, with that. So again, we'll be back on Sunday. Kathy, any final thoughts you have for tonight?
1: Um. No. Well, uh, yeah. I have a. I have lots of final thoughts. I think. Um. But what should come out of my mouth is a different thing. I guess. No. I. I would say this was. Since I've. Um. I'll be candid. You know. I started watching the team really closely that year. They made the NIT run, and ever mm-hmm. since then, um. Since I've been really watching them in those years, this is probably one of the worst games I think I've seen them play. Even worse than Stanford, like I, mainly because of the caliber of the team, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't expect the, them to lose by 30 to Stanford. I expected them to lose, but not that much. And no, it was not a great game, but I just thought they looked lackadaisical. I thought they looked not ready to go and it was top to bottom. Starters, people on the bench—they just weren't ready for this game. And I feel like maybe they were overlooking Maine; they weren't taking them seriously. I—I I don't know what was going on tonight. Um, am I concerned that this is this is the tone for the rest of the year? No, I, I'm really not there yet. I'm not hitting the panic button. You know, I saw enough of them down in Fort Myers to know they have within them to be a really great team. And I really do have a lot of faith in Coach Morin and her entire staff. To be able to keep the ship in the right direction. They ended up winning this game. They righted it that last, you know, quarter, seven minutes, whatever point you want to take of the game where they really turned it around. And I think that we'll see this and, you know, on Sunday with Stetson, I think that they'll, they'll be ready to go with that is my prediction for that game. And I think that they are going to win that game on Sunday quite handily by by quite a bit. And I think we see a lot more time for a bench on Sunday, just because I think that is how the, you know, mentality of this program is the culture of this program is to go back, put that work in, go look at the film and correct a lot of the things that we saw tonight. And I just don't think we'll see stuff like this very often, if, if much at all again, this year.
0: Yeah. And obviously you're, I've always said this again, I'd rather win ugly than lose pretty. And yeah. a win tonight's better than a bad loss. It would have been, we would have really felt like it was a horrible loss. But I think there's time to get some of these things straightened out. It is a concern that they have gone out a couple times now away from Assembly Hall and have not gotten off to, to the best starts or they've looked lethargic um, with that. So, but it, it, they get a chance here now. I was looking at the schedule and I was trying to pull it up on my screen as I was listening to you. Um, they get Stetson on Sunday, yep, and then they're going to go to Rutgers on the ninth, and then yeah. after that they get Evansville. And Bowling Green in between the, that the Rutgers game and Illinois on New Year's Eve in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. So a chance here because Rutgers is struggling and has been for a while, but they need to win that game on the road. All right, you don't want to go on the road in the Big Ten to Rutgers and really lose. That would not help you in the in the overall scheme of where you want to finish in the conference because the best teams are going to go to Rutgers and win. Um, but you got a chance now to maybe run off a little bit of a run here. Get you you already into one. You you've won you know uh, what four or five in a row now um, since then, but you at least maybe have a chance to come back against Stetson who shouldn't be very good. Rutgers is struggling. Then you get Evansville. And as I, you know, as I said, um, you know, they they get a chance maybe at home to get a little healthier, get some rhythm back to them um, as well. So, but right now, and again, I think you also look at this way, Kathy, if you're going to have struggles better to have them in November, early December, than in February or March. And, and, and yeah. so again, is it where we want them to be? No, but I, coach Morton yeah. said this a couple of weeks ago when I was at the game and, and the press conference, she wasn't happy with the way they're playing. She, she, no. you know, she used the word soft and I got a feeling she might've used that word a, a little bit more with them tonight. Now I know Ari was telling us in the, in the, in the workaholics here that Ari was saying, they were all kind of sounding like not too concerned about it after the game. I got a feeling by the time they get back tomorrow and look at the film and sit down and talk about it there's going to be some things said about effort and, and, and toughness. And I think that's right. going to be, I think that's going to be something that they look at. So those are kind of yeah. my last thoughts for the game.
1: Yeah. You know, record wise, they're where I thought they are, would be yeah. six and one, right. Again, yeah. record wise. um, But there are, there are some things that are a little more rough than I was expecting. I, I didn't expect their defense to drop off this much as, as it kind of has felt it, We've seen this year. This is multiple games now, I think, where our defense, especially in the first half, has come out and been kind of soft, to your point, and not quite as down in, you know, in their stance and as up in their faces as we've seen in the past. So to me, that's the one concerning piece I'm really starting to get concerned about is some of their their defensive effort. Um, and defense is effort, right? And so is rebounding. And right now it doesn't feel like we we've got it kind of firing at all cinder, cylinders, the way we have seen the last two or three years. But do I feel like the season is going to be completely lost because of that? No, I, I think that coach moran's still going to coach the way that the national Play- coach of the year that she was last year can coach and she'll have the, the team playing, um, by big 10 conference, the way we need them to.
0: I do think, and I don't think tonight was the situation. I do think against better teams. Now they were able to. I, I didn't think it showed up as bad against uh, Tennessee, but I still think teams that have athleticism are going to give us problems, and that's sure been do. a problem for a while. Defensive. For years. Yes, yeah. and so that's you know that's where you know I I, I totally agree with you on that. So so yeah. if you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat. Sorry. We're it's our show.
1: not our best night tonight either it's,
0: it's our show we're gonna own it. it's our show if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat make sure that you subscribe to our youtube channel youtube.com slash at back home network again that's relatively new since we've uh, have changed a few things that's youtube.com slash at Back Home Network. You can be a part of our private community as well. Find out more at assemblycall.substack.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our logos. Also, if you've been on Substack or if you've been with the YouTube page and you've seen some of our new artwork and graphics there, kudos to John for helping you know design some of that stuff for us on the templates. Also, a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our music that you hear throughout the broadcast. And thanks to all of you for being here in the YouTube chat and for listening on your favorite podcast. Uh, venue. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Sunday. Until then, keep your elbows in your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers.
1: Well, we survived another one. Both the game and a show. Good job. Yeah.
0: And, and I want to point out, Quang brings up a good point. It was 54-54 yeah. with five minutes basically to go, and they yeah, win exactly. by eight. So you know, it was it basically ended up being a thirteen to five run over yeah, that and, it was and, and with that.
1: Four thirty-six when Sydney made that drive for two, that gave us our first lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It
0: was, the, the, yeah, it
1: was. It was. I I had a bad feeling about this game for after that first half, especially. It just Boy, it, it was not pretty, but you know what? We won and well, yep. hopefully they'll learn from it. I, I'm a little surprised. Well, maybe again, maybe Coach Morin doesn't want to talk about it in the press conference like she kind of had the last few, Right. but I would think she's going to be a little more concerned, like you said, maybe behind closed doors.
0: And the only thing there about that is a Terry doing a good job of maybe trying to protect a little bit her team after she's called them out once yeah. already. But it also makes me wonder, you know, we we've we've speculated a little bit about Mackenzie's knee and, and and stuff. Joel who was in the in the workaholics here tonight mentioned same thing, a little bit about her leg. But it also makes me wonder that this time of the year, or do you have some of the kids who were, you know, battling a little bit of illness or the, uh, you know, and not even, I'm not even trying to go down to the COVID line line here. I'm just talking about a common cold that may be going through the right. team or maybe a little flu bug, something like that. Yep. You know, and that can be, that can help. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just saying that could be a reason why you might've thought we might've felt like they looked lethargic, at, you know, to a certain degree. But again, I think, I think we know they can play better. I think they know. And that, and to a certain degree, it makes me wonder and I get your thoughts on this before we head out of here. Yeah. Sometimes expectations can be a pretty heavy weight. And I just wonder some of that, even though they've been around for a while, they haven't, they weren't the ones that had to be that leader. That grace was always there for this group to be, you know, the rock. And expectations can be a pretty weighty thing.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree with that too. Um, you know, they're they're no longer the chip on the shoulder, we gotta go out and prove prove it to people team. They're the one being hunted now. Yep. So um just in case anyone's curious too that for those of you still listening, um, since we talk about it every once in a while, um, the McKinsey watch show that we have. So we already mentioned she's tied now for field goals made all time. Um, she is 338 points behind Tyra. Um, she's averaging now 18 points a game. She needed to average 17. So she's on pace still to take over first place there. And then in terms of block shots, that's the other one that's probably well within reach. She needed to average about 1.6 per game and she's averaging 2.3 after tonight. So she needs about 50 more blocks to take first place there. Rebounds are probably well out of reach. Um, but she's probably inching up on that. I, um, I could probably tell you if she's moved up on that list, I have it handy. The blocks um, may
0: end up being a close one by the end of the season.
1: That one might be, yeah. It depends. I mean, she started out with Eastern Illinois, and that really bolstered. She got four in that game, so, and then one, 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 zero, and then the last couple of games she's gotten two. So if she keeps getting around two. She's going to surpass that. So let's see. She's now at eight hundred and twenty-two rebounds. Um, where is that on my sheet? This is really great. So now she is in seventh place for rebounds. So she has moved up to seventh, and she's about 50 rebounds behind Rachel Bostick for sixth place. So okay. she'll probably next move up a little bit, but I don't think she'll take Denise Jackson or, or Amanda Cahill. Or no. Um, at the Lincoln rate Adams at the step.
0: rate she's going, she would need to average about that at the average she's getting. She that's about seven games worth of rebounds yeah. to get to the next spot. So. Exactly. So. All right, Kathy. Anyway, I know. Right. I know. I know you got to work tomorrow. So do I. Yes. But. I know you everyone. get up a little er- you get up a little earlier than I do so yep. we'll we'll head out of here I want to thank everybody for being here tonight we'll be back on Sunday with doing the work post game show
1: yep good night everyone night